from 99.9 The Fan. This is The Drive with Tim Donnelly. Sponsored by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. Joining us on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline, NC Rabbit Hole is the newsletter. He is Jeremy Markovich, who was embedded with the governor, Roy Cooper, the state's biggest Carolina Hurricanes fan. Jeremy, what's up, man? Not much. It was a, it was a big night. Watching the, watching the game with Roy Cooper is an experience. I learned a, I learned a lesson with Governor Roy Cooper. I went I was at a I was at a function and he was there and the Hurricanes were playing that night and you know I got the ESPN app on my phone. It it pings me when something happens and I just made an offhanded comment after I said, "Hey, good to see you. We got to get you on the show soon." blah 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 and I said, "Oh man, the Canes are getting worked right now." And Roy says to me, "Don't tell me that. Don't spoil it." I'm like, "Wait, oh, oh, he DVRs every game and he tries to stay spoiler free." before sitting down and watching it. So experiencing it with him live at PNC Arena on Friday with that insane 4-2 comeback OT win, that that had to be a lot of fun with the gov. It was it was a blast. So so the whole the whole setup was uh he actually was on the he was on television. Mm-hmm. He was in the broadcast booth for with for the first it was just supposed to be the first segment. He stuck around. Nobody's going to tell him to of leave. Of course not. Right. He was having a good time. He was doing a good job. Um he he was very concerned with Frederick Anderson's status. Um, <laughs> he complained. He was pressing everybody for inside information. In fact, there was there was, a, there was a point on the broadcast where he just goes, he just turns the trip. He goes, "Hey, is Freddie is Freddie all right?" And um, you know, so he, he he genuinely wants to know. In fact, in fact, uh, he was kind of complaining about. Well, I was like, I talked to Don Waddell, the general manager, and Don said he's fine. But he's like, I just don't like these vague injury reports. And they, they just say upper body injury. That's not great. He's like, Don could have told me. I wouldn't have told anybody. He's like, I can keep an economic development project secret. Like, I can keep an injury report secret. Just tell me. <laughs> like, he's just fishing for any kind of information. Just not not because he's, like, going to go bet on the game or do whatever. Like, right. he just is just dying to know, like, what's going to happen. Jeremy Markovich, the NC Rabbit Hole. Joining us here on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline, that's Joe Vias. I'm Joe Giglio. All right. Uh, I, I have a very um, uh, interesting relationship with Governor Cooper. What, what, how do you refer to him? Because he was on the broadcast, and Maniscalco and Tripp are like, Mr. Governor. And I'm sitting here going, it's Cooper. Listen, Cooper. Like, wh- where are you, do you fall on the reverential scale here? I mean, he's the um, governor. I always try to avoid saying, like, I didn't call him Roy. Um, there was a point where he said, you know, I'm here. I've, I've done the siren before. Um, people boo me, but I don't actually think they're booing me. They're just saying coop. So <laughs> I guess I could say coop. Um, but it no, never but what did really you do? What did up. you call him? What'd you call him? I, I just said, I said, Mr. Governor. And then I was oh, just like, Lord. it was just the two of us. I didn't have to like, I didn't have to shout him down. I wasn't like, Hey, Roy, like we need to come over here or something like that. Like he, it was just, it was just we were the only ones there, so I didn't have to refer to him by any any kind of name. Well, but Gilio is built different, man. You're just built different in this case. Although, although, so Trip Trip uh, referred to uh, him as baby one time. He did, yes. He's like, break it down, baby. <laughs> and so, so that was it. Yeah, they were like very reverential to start, and then yeah. yes, yes, we got to the baby part. And I'm like, okay, that's much better. Yes, yes, and also like. I mean, it was fun. Like, I mean, like Roy kind of busted there out the go. like. See, the... it's not that hard. You well, he's not it. here. <laughs> yeah, now that we're talking he about, he listens Roy. to this I mean, program. I, I promise. 
Yeah. But like, but he busted out, like, somebody said, like, could you grow a beard like, like Brent Burns? And, and he was like, no, he's like, I've had one. I look like Festus from Gunsmoke. <laughs> and, and it was like, that's a reference that nobody. That's, that's a deep cut. You got it. That's, a, that's a deep cut, man. That is a deep cut. So nobody was really prepared for that. <laughs> Jeremy Markovich, NC Rabbit Hole is the newsletter. Uh, he joins us on Thursdays and he hung out with Cooper. As Julio, Cooper. Julio Coop. likes to call him. Julio's still bent out of shape. That yeah, he picked Baylor the year they won. Yeah, he got a better bracket than Julio. He beat me. That's fine. He's just upset about that. It's fine. He's got inside information. Yeah. Look, if you if if people ever want, what I don't understand about anybody at a, at a Canes game booing Roy Cooper, this is the guy who I, I can't prove it, but I can put two and two together when they were back in the playoffs and they had. This was, what, 2021, and we hadn't quite gotten there yet with mask mandates and how many people you can pack in a room and all that other stuff. It was not lost on me that suddenly rules changed just before a big playoff series, and the building was packed that night, mainly because Roy Cooper made sure that they could get everybody in that building. I think the capacity was at ten grand at one point, but then they bumped it up just in time for the playoffs because, of course, they did. Yeah, you could do you could have that conspiracy theory. I mean, I mean, like when he was in like going to the podium to announce like whatever, you know, I mean, it was serious news during COVID. Yes. Um, but he rolls up in a mask and it's a Kane's mask you like know. every single time. You know. And and people were, were like sending him like like there were pleas from legislators who wanted to open everything up and they were like l- trying they were trying to use the canes um to be like, hey, you know, you're a big canes fan. Why don't you just open up PNC Arena for everybody? And conversely, I asked I asked Roy Cooper about this. I'm like, is is there like a are there any like closet uh, like hockey fans in the General Assembly? You know, like is Tim Moore just gigantic caniac, just like you know? And he's like, no, not really, except for Greg Meyer, um, who's from Orange County, represents Orange County. Yeah. And and so they're not like, okay that okay that opened the door for me like okay well who else has gone to a game with with Roy Cooper what's that like because like you don't you just don't know if he's like kind of putting on a little bit more than he normally would because there's a reporter sitting there next no. to him for the game no and 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 Myers like no nope he's like he brought me to the game and we just like he did not want to talk about anything but hockey like we sat there we talked about the trade deadline we talked about cap issues. We talked about like like you know like Jordan. Like, I mean, it was, did it was you just talk like, about gambling though? I was gonna say gambling or marijuana are a couple of our favorite topics with Cooper. He he just like he sort of brought it up in sort of like a chamber of commerce way. He's like, you know, hockey is exciting. Sports brings a lot of economic development. Uh, you know, sports sports. You know, the gambling may be coming up. Oh my gosh, they're, they're so lousy on the power play. I just oh yeah, he got distracted. Better. Little little Something squirrel, happen, squirrel. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Jeremy Markovich, NC Rabbit Hole, uh, newsletters out today, embedded with Roy Cooper, the number one caniac in the state of North Carolina. Appreciate it, man. We'll talk to you next week. All right. See y'all. It's the OG. That's Joe Giglio. I'm Joe Ovius. And, yeah, Roy Cooper's not faking it when it comes to uh, talking about the Hurricanes. We've seen him at Dean Dome, right? Because he's got seats right right behind the broadcast table at the Smith Center. He's chill. He's chill. I've seen him at hockey games. Completely different, man. He is in. What are you making a face for? I'm still mad at him from last year trying to front like he cared about Duke and he wouldn't say something bad about Duke. Well, let's see what happens when he's out of office. Because remember, 
Well, he's not running for anything anymore. But he's still in office. So what, we'll what see the, what happens. What are the four Duke fans it's, in the state also, of North Carolina going to go also, storm the downtown mansion? Hey, c- careful with storming in government places. So the my point is that he could be running for another office. No, so he's we'll not. see. He's done. I don't know. Maybe he wants to be a senator, or maybe, uh, maybe, maybe he just wants to be the number one Canes fan. We'll see what happens. Tate Frazier, he does Titus and Tate College Basketball Podcast. He'll join us in about seven minutes or so. Uh, if you're not familiar with Tate, he's from this area. I like to call him 252 Tate when he goes full-on Carolina guy. He's a Carolina guy, uh, and it comes out on the podcast because last night in Chapel Hill, there were fireworks because of Jason Capel and a complicated relationship with the school he played for and part of a Final Four team in 2000, but he was also part of an 8-20 year that people still have a hard time getting past. This is the same, the same fan base that got mad at Roy Williams in 2008 after Kansas blew him out and he showed up to the championship game wearing a Kansas Jayhawks sticker. I remember doing a full week's worth of radio, phone calls, people mad about this. Carolina fans mad about this. So all fan bases, man, they're complicated. Families are complicated. And we'll talk to Tate about that in about five minutes or so. I'm impressed with ourselves. We've gone an hour and 20 minutes into the show, and we haven't even brought up the NFL yet. I guess we don't have ankle watch, Patrick Mahomes' ankle, to worry about. Everything's good. You know, we don't have Tom Brady, where is he going speculation. Somehow, some way, Aaron Rodgers has stayed out of the news cycle so far. What is going on? Are we just saving all the fireworks for next week when everybody descends to Phoenix for Radio Row? That must be what's going on, right? I don't care about Patrick Mahomes' ankle after last week. I'm sure he's fine. <laughs> uh, Tom Brady's not really retired. He's going to play for the 49ers next year, and I really don't care about Aaron Rodgers. He could be traded. I mean, I guess he wants to be traded. Yeah. But why would you want to leave the NFC, by the way? Because the Packers have said, We're, we would if we trade you, we would only trade you to the AFC. Yeah, that makes sense. You look at the NFC right now, and, and I get it. The Eagles... From week one to week 18, they were good, mm-hmm. other than the one where they, they fooled around with the Saints, right? Yeah. But you look at the NFC side, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, like, why would you want to go over to the AFC and bang your head up against the wall against Mahomes, who's not going anywhere? You know, Josh Allen, yeah, I get it, but the Bills had some injuries this year. They'll be back next year. The Bengals are going to be back next year. I mean, those are those are three really good teams, not even getting into some of the others either. There are, there are two things in the NFL news cycle today that I did find interesting. Uh, you see the Eagles getting to the Super Bowl with Jalen Hurts and going all in with some of their acquisitions. Jerry Jones, owner of the Dallas Cowboys and makes all the decisions on the football side of things, has been getting ripped by Cowboys fans because that window doesn't seem like they're actually going to cash in on it. Mike McCarthy is, is a known thing right he's going to have some clock operator issues he's there's going to be some situational uh football uh situational football mistakes Dak Prescott you know when it's time to step up it's been a little underwhelming so there there is some wonder all right man maybe go in a different direction Sean Payton was out there why didn't you go for Sean Payton I think we understand why Sean Payton didn't want to be with the Dallas Cowboys because what do we know about Sean Payton Sean Payton's not going to mix well with Jerry who has his own opinions on how he wants to have that roster look. Sean wants that control. We know how that plays out in Dallas. So it never really meant a lot of sense. But the interesting thing would be, you know, we talk about 
what's where's Derek Carr going to go? And we'll get to that in a second. You know, is Lamar Jackson going to be with the Baltimore Ravens because of their contract dispute? What happens in San Francisco? But this week, there's a there's rumblings of hey, we know what Dak is. Maybe it's time to move on and go to the next guy, the younger quarterback, and then build around that. Because obviously, we've seen this with Jalen Hurts. We've seen that move with the Miami Dolphins into a tongue of Vialo. We saw how the San Francisco 49ers were built. I've seen that push for Dak Prescott, and I don't know if they're completely off base in thinking of a blow up in Dallas. I don't think the Cowboys are going to win the Super Bowl with Mike McCarthy and Dak Prescott. No. no. So if you don't think if if you just want to win the division or you just want to make the playoffs, cool. Uh, th- those guys have both proven to be dangerous enough to be good, but you know their own limitations prevent them from being great. To Derek Carr and the Las Vegas Raiders, some contract situations that make it interesting and why there might be some moves here relatively soon. He's got a $40.4 million injury-guaranteed deal, all right? And it's fully guaranteed on February 15th. They can cut him after, you know, before that so that they're not finding themselves in that contract hell, or they can try to trade him. The problem is that Derek Carr has a no-trade clause. I was reading Pro Football Talk this morning, and Mike Floria points out that the Raiders have yet to give Carr permission to talk to other teams about a potential trade, which seems kind of interesting considering we're running up against that whole contract deadline. So he he points this out. Uh, Florio says, my initial reaction to the fact that they won't let Carr talk to teams was that they possibly intend to let the guarantees vest, and then they can figure out a trade later with Carr possibly reducing his pay in order to facilitate a trade. Essentially what happened with, in a much more extreme version, Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns, where nobody was going to take on that contract for Baker Mayfield. And eventually, as it played out with the Panthers, there was some money that he took off the books and the Browns picked up some of that salary before he came to the Panthers. That's just something to keep an eye on. I like Derek Carr as an option if it can financially work for the Carolina Panthers. Oh, yeah, this is all offseason machinations. He's not playing for the Raiders next year. He'll be he'll be moved, whether it's, you know, before the draft, after the draft, you know, let, let's not cry over this one. It's the OG alongside Joe Giglio. I'm Joe Obvious. Garoppolo is going to end up somewhere else yeah, next he year. Is. I'm with you on that. Did you know that your unused medications could end up in the wrong hands? It's important to keep your medication secure in a locked location, such as a locking box or locking cabinet. When it's time to dispose of them, safety and properly dispose of old, expired, or unused meds by using an at-home disposal product or a medication disposal box in your community. Don't miss out on medication take-back events happening near you. Don't let anyone take what's yours. Lock your meds. Be aware. Don't share. Learn more at lockyourmeds.org nc. Hit that subscribe button. Hit the likes. Leave the comments. Although you don't have to go scorched earth in the comments. Like Jason Capel apparently went scorched earth last, scorched earth last night at the Smith Center. So there's two separate conversations about what happened in Chapel Hill last night as Pitt beat North Carolina again. Swept them this season. This is what, three trips to Chapel Hill now for the Panthers? And they've come away victorious. This time last year. February 16th to be exact, Julio. Jason Capel, an assistant coach for Pitt, brother of Jeff Capel, the head coach, was quoted by BDOT, their in-arena announcer, 
and I'm paraphrasing here because I don't have the tweet in front of me, but essentially Jason Capel was walking off the court and told BDOT, they're pretty. They don't want to play tough. They're not a tough team. We tough it up. They can't handle it. I'm paraphrasing, but essentially he was calling them soft. And we know the rest of that, right? North Carolina used it as an inflection point. And the real springboard was what happened at Cameron Indoor Stadium where they took that mentality and showed up and showed up Coach K on his on his farewell night. They get to the Final Four, they beat him again. But this year it's been kind of a reversion back to that team that can't really put the hammer down, as you like to say. A team that earlier in the year defensively sometimes just didn't have it. And Pitt went in there and was tough again, and they could not handle it, and they lose the game, and Jason Capel popped off again. Uh, This time, it was more quotable. It was caught on video in the locker room. He clearly wanted people to hear him. He clearly wanted people to hear him. And I'll be curious to see how the Tar Heels use this as an inflection point going forward with Duke, coincidentally enough, on Saturday, Cameron Indoor Stadium. They used it as a wake-up call last year. Now, the problem is this is the second time they've seen Pitt this year. Mm Mm-hmm. And the problem for North Carolina, too, is R.J. Davis didn't play well last night. Armando Baycott did finish with a double-double, but wasn't at his best in this game. And Caleb Love is, is starting to turn a corner. I think if you look at the Syracuse game and you look at this game, yeah, there's always going to be ups and downs with sure. him. Yeah. But it's real clear with Carolina this year. If those three guys aren't playing well, they're not going to beat good teams. Pitt is a good team. And, you know, you mentioned that after last year's loss in the Smith Center, that Jason Capel basically called Carolina soft. Well, that's what Hubert Davis called Carolina he after night's loss, too. Yeah, he Because did. he knows that Pitt was tougher than they were and that Carolina needs to be tougher. So here's Hubert Davis, head coach, North Carolina, on not consistently matching Pitt's physicality. They've always, whomever the coach was, you know, Pitt has always hung their hat on their toughness and their physicality. And I told them that in games like this, you're going to get towed and there's nowhere to go, and you're going to have to competitively fight. And I felt like we did that at times, but we never, at times, we didn't sustain it. So that's Hubert Davis, North Carolina head coach, on that physicality. I think that's a known thing for the Tar Heels. We'll see if they can work past it. The other known thing for the Tar Heels, which presented itself last night again, is falling in love with the three and not getting those threes. Brian Ives pointed this out last night after the loss. The Tar Heels are on pace for the second-worst three-point shooting season in program history. The funny thing is, or depending on who you root for, the unfortunate thing is is that the three worst are currently all in the last four seasons. So in 2019-2020, they were 30.4% from three. This season, they're currently 31.1%. In 2020, 2021, they were 31.8%. So the other interesting factoid here, which I thought was more interesting, it was the attempts per game. So far this season, they've attempted more three-pointers at a worse clip at 21.5%. Or I'm sorry, 21.5 three-point attempts per game. That's a lot for this Tar Heel team that you and I both know probably has to go through Armando Baycott if they want to go places, that's their bread and, and butter. And I think they did. I mean, you get to end game possession where Pitt doubled. Nice, nice play by mm-hmm. Jeff Capel to have the guys double him down there. He travels, turns the ball over. Pitt gets the opportunity to win the game. 
nice also nice piece of strategy by Jeff Capel to, to take that thing down to the end of the game clock. You know, this wasn't as and Dan Bonner in real time was saying, you know, most coaches on the road here would just try to get the basket and take the lead and then go play defense. Pitt drew the clock down. Yep. They got to the foul line, made the free throws, won the game based on their play. And then you have the, the the final sequence where I thought, you know, Brad Frederick did a great job getting a look for Caleb Love at the end. I mean, they won a lot of time on the clock, See, though, that was to, my to issue. do too much. That was my issue. I know that this is what they do, uh, but I didn't think they had enough time. I, I really did not think they had enough time to get the ball across the court, call the hat, call the timeout, and then have something set up for a play. Um, they had .6 seconds on the clock. To me, that is – you might as well just run a play, man. And, again, I'm not trying to make the whole Roy Williams, Hubert Davis comparisons and everything else – but I've seen Roy let his teams in those situations just run the play, not call a timeout, just see what you got with the time remaining and get a shot. So that was my only quibble last night. I know that people wanted to focus on whether or not Caleb Love was fouled. It didn't matter. Was there contact on his wrist? Yeah, there was, but it didn't matter because Caleb Love did not get the ball out of his hands at all. Like, it wasn't even close. I went back and I watched it because it's not like they went to the monitor anyway. They knew it. It wasn't even close. That red light came on, and that ball was firmly in his hand. So it's a moot point about how that final sequence played out, other than the fact that I was convinced they didn't have enough time. So Carolina's got some issues that they have to work out, and or or it's entirely possible this is who they are, and they're just going to have to ride the rest of the season in the NCAA tournament on the seat of their pants and hoping that they can get to the line and make free throws. Because that, to me, if you, if you really want to oversimplify what happened last night, we know they're not going to hit a bunch of threes. We know that teams can double on Armando Baycott, and for the most part, he can try to work through it like he did late in the game. But if you're going to get to the line, and they were a plus 11 free throw differential against the Pitt Panthers last night, they were bad from the free throw line last night. You just make it a couple more, you're good to go. So anyway, that was last night, and I'm sure it'll come up on the Titus and Tate podcast as well. The one thing that I love about working in this area, Gilio, and I know you you experienced this too, is that we see a lot of people who come through the area and they go national, right? We'll talk to Bomani Jones tomorrow. I love getting local Bo. Bo is ready to talk about Duke Carolina tomorrow because I was texting with him earlier in the week. He is fascinated how that scene is going to be on Saturday, right? Brooke Pryor, we talk to her all the time. She's national. Tate Frazier, I listen to the podcast and I hear what I like to call 252 Tate come out. Local Tate comes out. Tar Heel fan Tate really comes out. He joins us now on the Houston Automotive Group Hotline. Tate Frazier from Titus and Tate. Tate, what's going on, man? Oh, man, it's great to be here with you guys. I uh, Maybe not on the best terms for me, as you said, <laughs> Joe, as a Carolina fan. Maybe not the best uh, not the best time. You know, I don't have anything to brag about. I have things to complain about. But uh, it's great yeah. to see both of you. And uh, I love talking ACC basketball. So it's fun to have you guys, uh, you know, kind of carry that uh, – carry that charge you know in the triangle so uh you got me a couple podcasts ago with a tease mm. there was uh, something in the notes about the great the great tobacco road mistake i think that's what was in the notes is that do i have that right yeah it's something like that something yeah, like that remember. so i'm like okay yeah, yeah. and this was after i think it was after the, the first carolina pick game i'm like what's take what's take going on what's this mistake on tobacco road and mm. you brought up jeff capel and what he's been able to do against north carolina versus you know what john shire and what they were going through at that time at duke but Jason Capel, assistant coach, former Tar Heels, catching strays as you're talking about this. I'm thinking to myself, man, they still haven't let it go. And it all bubbled <laughs> up last night, man. All bubbled mm. up last night in the Smith Center. So as a Tar Heel guy, can for for these state dudes that you're talking to, can you explain what the hell's going on between y'all and Jason Capel? 
Yeah, I mean, look, it's all in good fun. I have no personal, you know, there's a lot of people that are my age that probably don't even know who Jason Cable is or know that Jason Cable played at Carolina, right? So, and they definitely don't know that Jason Cable wore number 25. And uh, <laughs> we learned after the fact that that was the big issue, right? Clayton, yeah. Creighton Lebo was in this graphic. He was sticking his tongue out. He's wearing number 25. Those are all the, you know, the the recent developments that would get people fired up. I am uh, a kid that grew up with Joseph Forte. Uh, I know a lot of Carolina fans, you know, they don't talk about Joseph Forte very much because it was, you know, after Dean Smith leaves and it's in the Bill Guthridge leading into Matt Darty era. So it's a, you know, it, like you guys, you, you're state fans. You guys know how this is. We, we Carolina fans like to act like that didn't happen. It's kind of like Jordan when he played against the Magic in 1995, right? It's like, don't talk about that series. Don't bring that up. We don't, we don't want to talk about that. Let's talk about 96, 97, 98. Um, that is, you know, the and with Capel himself, right? I mean, he was a senior on the team that goes eight and twenty. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a lot of frustrations about Joseph Forte and kind of his green light, so to speak, when he was at North Carolina. Forte leaves and gets drafted by the Boston Celtics, and it leads to one of the worst years of my childhood watching Carolina basketball. So I think in that sense, uh Jason Cable just seeing his face brings back all those frustrations uh, of being a kid, as you said, Joe, as, as being the 252 tape from Henderson, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's what Jason Cable conjures up when I see him. And then, you know, you add insult to injury when he's on the sideline with his brother, um, who was obviously a, a face of the Duke basketball program and going back to the big half court shot he hit before losing in overtime back in 1995. Yeah, people forget um, that they lost. I always love that clip. Right. They love showing the clip, but they don't like seeing the other side of that clip. I appreciate you knowing that. Uh, But, you know, so it's already getting you a little fired up anyway. Capel's talking a lot. Um, So it just kind of bubbled over last night. It's not anything personal with him. It's just, you know, the kid in me sees eight and 20. And then he's talking about he's a North Carolina legend. Treat him as such. Um, and I don't know. It was just a bridge too far, Joe. I got a little fired up. That's fine. That's fine. I get it. That's that's why we. That's <laughs> why. That's why we care, man. Sports brings it out of us, right? right? Do you? Right, do right. you think Jason thinks it's all in good fun, though? I don't. Th- I mean, clearly, <laughs> well, Joe. Joe, let me just say, based on that reaction last night, I would say he definitely does not no. think it's all in good fun. Yeah. Um, and and rightfully so. I mean, their dad is you know an iconic basketball coach everybody you know we, we it's kind of like with the same thing with the hurley brothers right i mean you have this legendary coach that you learn from there's already that inherent respect that is there for you for being a basketball family for being a basketball lifer you were at app state we all remember so those things are like all inherent if you are uh you know if you understand kind of the playground that we're in but i think you know for jason capel himself i mean it was uh what do they say on the Levitard show? Look at me, Louie. Mm-hmm. It was a very look at me, Louie moment where, uh, you know, they, they win the game. Pitt wins the game. Um, it should be a celebration of how great Burton was and, you know, great coaching job from Jeff Capel. They're 8-0 against the spread on the road, but instead we're talking about Jason Capel, and maybe that's what he wants. I, I mean, and, and if it is, uh, a mission accomplished. Do you, when you look back at that 0-2 season, do you blame <laughs> him more for that or do you blame Matt Darty? Whew, I mean, I, and it does. I, does it feel like <laughs> Capel has become the avatar for that season? I think I think more so. Yeah, maybe he's become like the face of that just because he was the senior on the team and he was supposed to be the best player. And I mean, I'm not sure the stats off the top of my head, but I think he averaged like 13 and seven or something like that. Yeah. So more power to him. Um, it just 
it's probably not fair to put it all, you know, square on his shoulders, but for whatever reason, it kind of, it's like Marcus Ginyard, uh with the yeah. 2010 team, right? When he came back and, and everyone example. says like, yep. like you, you blame Marcus Ginyard or you say he he's supposed to be leading these guys. It's all dumb tropes in sports, but for whatever reason, it got put on his shoulders and maybe that frustration or that insecurity about that being placed on his shoulders is uh, why he's so frustrated because he was dealing with Matt Darty, which we know uh, that that's not always the easiest thing to do. Tate Frazier, Titus and Tate is the podcast covers college hoops. I enjoy it. You all should enjoy it. All right. <laughs> before we go, man, February 16th, last year, Capel's quoted by B dot goes viral. You know, they're pretty over there. They don't want this. Mm. We kind of know how it played out the rest of the way. So we get this again. You know, Pitt goes to the Smith Center. They get out toughed. Hubert Davis isn't happy. I, I get why people want to say, oh, well, you know, maybe another turnaround's coming up. Duke, Duke's on Saturday. Did Brady Manick get more eligibility? Has he changed his name? Did they shave his beard and they're sneaking him back on? Because honestly, I think that's kind of the biggest problem right now. They really miss Brady Manick. I think we'll have a greater appreciation for what his role was on that run to the Final Four. Yeah, they're they're missing whatever that piece is. I, I don't know what the connective tissue of this group. They've played a lot of basketball together, but if you saw that last possession, you have the ball, you have a lead, you have experience, and it leads to a travel and a turn. I mean, you know, that that's just that's at some level that's inexcusable. The unfortunate part when people try to draw the parallels between last year and this year is that Duke was good last year, right? Mm -hmm. And Duke had the number one pick. And Duke had a lot of talent. And yeah. beating Duke at Duke was a good win. I mean, to go into Cameron on Saturday and get a win, obviously, it's always going to be but a you nice feather it. in the you cap. You need it now you for need the NCAA right. tournament, man. Like, for right. real, you need it. Of course. You get closer and closer to the bubble, the Joe mm -hmm. Lenardi's of the world, the Jerry Palms of the world. They're having a field day. They're back to where they want to be. They got Kentucky. They got Carolina. <laughs> they got the bubble. It's a good day for them. It's a field Con day. They got content, fans watching. Man. Content. It's Let's content. Go. You know you know what it is. But I, I think that's the unfortunate part when they try when everyone's trying to make the parallels is that this is not the Duke team that we saw last year. It's not going to be some oh, wow, we really can be one of those best teams if we beat these guys. I think it's, uh, like you said, it might be almost a must win at this point to get things back on track and make sure you're on the right side of the bubble. Tate Frazier, Titus and Tate, hey, man, we appreciate it. I know you got a busy day, got podcast right. editing and all that fun stuff. And I know I know, last night stung a little bit, but we'll we'll talk to you later. Yeah, I uh, look, guys, I'll get over it. And I will say this before I leave. I like watching NC State. I like watching DJ Burns. I think they're a fun team and uh, – you know, I, I think Kevin Keats is a great guy. So uh, in, in a lot of situations, you know, Carolina fans, state fans, we're supposed to hate each other. We're supposed to be going down and yelling at each other and get, getting at each other's throats and things like that. But I watched Carolina lose the pit, and then I watched NC State play, and I had a lot more fun watching NC State last night. So, yeah, it's uh, a fun squad. You guys. We'll yeah. see. We'll see what happens on February nineteenth uh, when they go to PNC Arena. Everybody, <laughs> I know. Gonna be I know tough. everybody's going to be looking at the free throw differential. I know that for a fact. <laughs> well, that's NC State, right? They got to look at the fouls <laughs> and the free throw differential. <laughs> All right, Tay. We'll talk to you later, man. Thanks. Thanks, guys.